We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Did you finish Did you that? that? We're, about one half, we're about halfway there. We're just saying that he's off to a nice start. Why does it have to be all or nothing all the time? Like, what am I doing? I'm doing it for the show. Field of 68 till I die. This is the Field of 68 After Dark Show, the only place that you need to be for college hoops every single night. Welcome into the Field of 68 After Dark, powered by Bet Rivers, along with Patrick Young, Coach Laval Jordan. I'm Megan McEwen. Gentlemen, we've reached Feast Week. One of the best weeks of the year because we all get to sit on our couches starting at noon till like 1 a.m. if you are so bold and just watch hoops all day. Fantastic <laughs> matchups from around the globe. Um, MTs everywhere we could possibly just see. All day. So one thing that I'm really looking forward to doing right now, though, is our toast as we start every single field of 68 after dark toast. So, gentlemen, grab your drinks. I'll start here. My toast with my hot tea, getting over a little cold here. Um, Florida State picked up their first win of the season. There you go, Seminoles. Get it going. Finally on track. Let's see where it takes them. Cheers to Florida State. Cheers to Florida State. I was thinking about that one. Mm -hmm. I like that wine glass you got there, Patrick. It's all my wife. I have no taste. It's all my wife. (laughs) All right. Coach Nam, one of the best. He's awesome. I'm I'm happy for him to finally get on the board this season. They've They've had some struggles. It's been a struggle. Coach, who are you toasting tonight? It's a good question. I'm going to go with Chris Murray from the Iowa Hawkeyes. Chris, don't call me Keegan. I know know their dad, Kenyon, uh, actually grew up watching Kenyon play when I was in middle school and high school. And so 30 points tonight, 13 from from 17 from the floor, four from six from three. Uh, After saying everybody's going to know my name, so I'm toasting to Chris Murray for putting on for the Hawkeyes tonight. There we go. Chris Murray. And by the way, Jeff Goodman says Iowa could win the whole Big Ten. So that was his hot take last week. Chris oh, Murray really? proving that that could be a possibility if he plays like that. You know, Patrick this is about Iowa. They're going to score points. They're not going to play defense, but they will score points. Whoever has the most points at the end wins. <laughs> Patrick, Maybe. what you got? I was torn because uh, obviously being a Gator uh, I don't know what the fans and listeners would say with me uh, pointing out Florida State. I will acknowledge them. That's, that was a fantastic toast. Uh, their worst start since some, somewhere in the 1950s. But I'm going to go with Coach McDermott 
of the Creighton Blue Jays. Uh, I'm not sure what he said to his players at halftime, uh, but having 13 turnovers in the first half to having zero for the rest of the game, uh, hats off to you, Coach. Fantastic job getting your boys to uh, wake up and get the job done. Yeah. Cheers to Coach McDermott. I was this close to 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 going with Creighton. For for the same reason. It's like, you know, adjusting to Texas Tech isn't easy. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Well, and that's exactly where we're going to start. First matchup of the Maui Invitational. You had Texas Tech taking on Creighton. And again, Creighton came out 13 turnovers in that first half. Texas Tech's defense was flying all over the place, being incredibly disruptive. Coach, what was your biggest takeaway from a Texas Tech standpoint? Why was their defense so successful in that first half? It was just they were doing what they do. You know, they they pin everything to the side. They play the no middle defense. They're icing ball screens. Uh, and Creighton runs a lot of pick and roll, a lot of ball screens with Nimbard and with their guards, Trey Alexander. And so they just they just struggled with it in the first half and struggled. You know, they run through lanes and struggle with Creighton moves the basketball and, and um, they do a good job with ball movement, player movement. But the swings on the reversals with with tech players and using their length and running through lanes. And now you end up in crowds. And and so I thought they made a really good adjustment in the second half. But but uh, for that game to be tied at halftime with Creighton having 13 turnovers, you know, you knew Coach McDermott that they were in a good position because they should have been down probably 10 or 12 points. And Patrick, you gave Coach McDermott some love on that. 13 turnovers in the first half. But as a player, how do you rebound from that type of first half? Because you have to make that adjustment, stay in the game, and not get frustrated with yourself. Yeah, you certainly can get frustrated with yourself. And, and what Creighton uh, did a fantastic job was they still played uh, – Great, solid defense. They gave up zero free throws in that entire first half. And even though they offensively weren't uh, taking care of the ball, you have to understand that the game – it's a 40-minute game. Uh, Coach, you know that I'm, I can't – how many times have you had to say that to your players, that we have to play a complete game because 38 minutes, 39 minutes is not going to get the job done. And it's just awesome that you have the opportunity at halftime to challenge your players and see what they're made of uh, because Trey Alexander and, and, and uh, author – uh, Kalama, I said, no, I said his name, last name wrong. Kaluma, Kaluma. Uh, they responded so well because they both had four turnovers apiece in that first half and ended up uh, with zero, obviously, in that second half. And uh, players of the game, uh, Kaluma was a stud, knocked down a bunch of threes. Trey Alexander, who shot 28% from three last year, ended up knocking down uh, two. He's shooting 40% from the three point line this year so far. So, uh, going to be a great matchup with Creighton and Arkansas to this next game to see how they respond and hopefully play a 40 minute game there. Yeah. And, and, and this was the Creighton on the way in that everybody, I mean, when, when they played St. Thomas in game one, you know, everybody was, was, was maybe overreacting. Um, but this version of Creighton here, like if, if defensively they're a different team with Cockburner, the, the Creighton that I coached against wasn't this type of de- this defensive team, but Cockburner is a game changer for them defensively. So holding Texas Tech to 65, but them sh- they weren't the shooting team, like the Creighton teams of the past with Mitch Ballack and and all the shooters that, you know, uh, Marcus Zagorowski. I mean, they could explode, you know, 13, 14, 15 threes. And, and if you get them like tonight where they have four guys hit two two or more threes, that's going to be difficult because that, that was my question. You know, can they take care of the basketball? Because they had that issue last year. 
They didn't in the first half. They fixed it in the second. And then can they make enough threes? We, we know Shireman, the transfer, he's a he's lights out. But can the other guys, have they developed and can they make enough threes um, offensively? Because Creighton's known for that firepower. Well, an interesting point you bring up, Kalkbrenner as well. He went down with an ankle injury in the first half and came back in the second, kept kind of twisting that ankle, but it seems like he's going to be okay. Will you talk about how much he alters the way people have to scout Creighton now? I mean, Patrick, when you're going in, you're playing against a 7-1 player who not only, I mean, he has footwork, he can score, he's a tremendous shot blocker. He has so many different things going for him. How do you prepare for that? Uh, you, you do the best you can to understand um, anything at the basket soft is going to be a windshield wiper just just sent <laughs> sent into the crowd. Uh, you're going to have to attack someone um, and get him in a position where he's off balance. Really good shot blockers are, are able to time time up when they're going to go and attack, uh, get the ball at the highest point to, to stay out of foul trouble. Um it's going to be key to try to get him in situations, maybe get him a, a little bit uh, away from the block, out of the paint a little bit to, to strive to get him to have to guard a little bit off the dribble. But um, he does such a fantastic job of, of picking up the slack whenever the guards try to uh, over pursue. Um, he is a big key in keeping them in, in games when you're going to get you're going to get cold. It just happens. How many shots not only do you block, but now a block attempt is now a stat that I had no idea is uh, something that um, they keep nowadays. But how many shots is he going to alter? But back to, to Shireman, I mean, he finished the game with, uh, with a double-double. Uh, he had nine points in the first half, um, and, and he was able to grab uh, – only scored two in the second half, but he grabbed seven rebounds. Uh, with his six-foot-five frame, uh, it just goes to show that he just understands it's all about winning and not just about his jump shot. You see the way this Creighton team has kind of taken off from the beginning of the year. And coach, I know you, you've you played against Creighton many times um, in the Big East. How dangerous can they potentially be? Is this a potential Elite Eight Final Four team based off of what we've seen so far early in the season? Well, I think tonight was a, a big measure for them. You know, it was kind of their first first top 25 opponent, you know, first uh, a high major uh, opponent. And, and the way that Texas Tech, it defends and, and how active they are. I thought it was a, a, a big test for them and, uh, and they passed it. And again, if they losing Ryan Hawkins and, and Alex O'Connell, those were their two best shooters last year and they weren't a great shooting team. Right. But to see the development of Trey Alexander, he's had a couple games now where he's made two plus threes. We know Shireman Kaluma is my preseason. You know, he was my personal he's tough. for player of the year, just because he he's such so a hard. Yeah, Patrick. I mean, inside, outside, um, he, he he gave us problems as a freshman. It was like the one we couldn't match with him. And if he's now going to shoot the three like he should, yeah. if they've got that from the perimeter. We went under screens last year on Nimbard. He's two for three tonight. You know, so if they get that from their perimeter, you know, you got Cockburner inside. Defensively, they can hang their hat there, which is not what you've traditionally said about Creighton. But now right. you can't say that. You know, that, that'll hold you down on the road, you know, in the Big East. And once you get in the tournament play. Patrick, what do you think? No, no, I, uh, man, they definitely showed. I was looking forward to this matchup because I wanted to see how Creighton would play against another uh, ranked team. Uh, I think Kevin O'Banner, he struggled a little bit today, didn't find a stroke. Big fan of his since he knocked Florida Gators out of the tournament at Oral Roberts a few years ago. So I've, uh, love watching him uh, continue to 
the expanding one to try to uh, go, go to a winning program. And he, he is there at that at Texas Tech. But looking at Creighton, defense travels. You can't you cannot handle or control the ball going in and out of the basket. But at this clip right now, with having multiple guys knock down two three pointers, and you have a guy that can catch the ball, finish, block shots. I mean, they have all the recipes for a team that can make a run. Uh, Kaluma is a stud. I, I didn't know too much about him until uh, a few weeks ago, and just uh, he, how aggressive he is. He's legit. He's, he's legit. legit. Absolutely. I think you can hang your hat on him. Uh, really, is now that he's knocking down the three pointer, I didn't know he was knocking down the three pointer as well. Um, how is he? How are you going to guard him? He brings energy on both sides of the floor. Uh, so this this is a Creighton team that, as of right now, I would say, yeah, absolutely an elite eight team. Yeah, Columbus gives them a guy, the one guy that, like, if you start switching all switching ball screens or switching, you know, four ways or whatever, he he he, you can just throw it to him and he can isolate. And like he's hard to match with, too big for a smaller guy, too quick for a bigger guy. So he's the one guy. If it if it just stagnates and becomes a half court, they could they still got a place to go with a guy like him. It was also interesting watching Crane from the standpoint. I thought they looked like a team that was really experienced playing together. You see in these early season tournaments, so many teams. We're going to talk about Louisville in a little bit, who don't have that chemistry yet. That just takes when it comes to playing on the court together, Creighton seems to kind of already be there. And I know they return quite a few, but that to me was a really interesting takeaway from this Creighton team. I want to give a little love to Texas tech as well. Cause this is still a very good basketball team, staunch defensively. Um, is that going to be the identity of this team, Patrick, the defensive side of the ball? Uh, yeah. I mean, what, what would you expect from a, from a Chris, uh, uh, this, this program, uh, that they, they're always gritty and tough and going to find a way uh, to disrupt your game flow. And that, at this level, if you can get a team to change, you know, you always have a plan until you get punched in the mouth. And uh, if you can be the aggressor, especially on the defensive side, uh, high hands, all those little things that go into winning, it's it's key to keep, give you a chance to be in the game because again it, it goes back to you can't control the ball going in and out of the basket, but if you can fly around high hands just disrupt force tough shots force teams into tough into tough twos it gives you the opportunity to get to the free throw line on the other side uh, cause some frustration there get them out of their game plan it gives you an opportunity uh, it doesn't matter who you matched up against at that point uh, but it gives you an opportunity to win some games. Here's what's impressive. Th to answer your question, Megan, yes, they were number one in the in the country campaign last year. They're number eleven right now. They're a defensive program, <laughs> like, and they can hang their hat on it. They're gonna bring that every night. They can take care of the basketball, right? Right now, that because they're forcing, yeah, what sixteen turnovers a game, but they're turning over seventeen times a game. Uh, but they defend without foul. The impressive thing about them is they defend like that with all that activity and all that aggression without fouling. Um, which is, you know, they don't, they don't put people on the foul line a ton. Um, and for them to be as aggressive as they are, that's that's really impressive. But if they can take care of the basketball, you know, and find enough offense, I think that's the, the big question on, on, on the offensive side. But you know they're going to bring it every night defensively. Well, it's a fun team to watch defensively as well. If, if you're a defensive guru or you just appreciate that side of the ball, people love offense, but you got to give a little love to the defensive side as well. Um, next game from the Maui Invitational was Louisville, Arkansas. Um, Arkansas, 
to put it lightly, looked good, um, to, to say the least. I mean, you got to be kidding me. This is such an athletic team. I mean, 18 of their shots uh, or of their makes rather were dunks or layups. So they're getting to the paint, but just blew the game open in the second half. Really, Patrick, biggest takeaway from this Arkansas team. Well, uh, that's why I'm so glad that I work with the SEC and I get a chance to watch this team a lot this year because they are going to be a bunch of young. This is a young team. It has 11 new players, but they understand Eric Musselman style basketball right now. Um, they've made adjustments. They started a little bit slow. And as you can imagine, having uh, this the number of freshmen that they have, looking at Anthony Black, looking at uh, Jordan Walsh, we still haven't seen Nick Smith Jr. yet. Uh, but this team, they're long, they're athletic, they get up and down, they play with energy. I don't know if you guys are watching the whole time, but on the in the first half, you could watch the bench from Arkansas and Coach Musselman and all the coaches just making sure, emphasizing high hands. Like they were doing jumping jacks on the sideline, making sure their guys knew disrupt, 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 whatever you can. No easy passes in the paint, uh, whatever it may be. And Louisville, they, even though they hung hung – Close for a little bit, uh, just didn't stand a chance with the, the level of energy that Arkansas brought on the defensive side. Yeah, they're, they're impressive. Um, do you worry about them it, because they're not playing, you know, Coach Muss is like, he cuts, he's cut the rotation. Like they're, not, yeah. they're not playing a lot of guys yeah. early. Uh, and Nick Smith coming back, you know, how's, how's he integrate in? Because he's got a lot of hype early in the year, you know, that – Sometimes can be a great thing. Sometimes it can take some time. But but as of right now, the thing that's impressive is that defensively they're connected and they got what 10, 11 new guys. Yeah. Um, so I'm impressed with the fact that they're defending as a unit the way that they are, given the fact that they have so many new players, uh, you know, incoming this year that, that weren't around to learn and kind of know the system. Like we were saying about Creighton last year, bringing, bringing so many guys back. Um, so that's 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 a big thing. But and then can they shoot it well enough? Like right now they're shooting 27 percent from three, but elite athleticism and defensively they're elite. But you know, down the stretch, Anthony Black's phenomenal. I mean, man, yeah, he, he was phenomenal today. He's the real deal. He is good. Man, and I didn't I didn't think that I thought his shooting ability was the biggest question mark coming into the year. But he showed, hey, don't worry about me. If you give me some time, especially on that right wing. That seemed to be his key spot. But uh, with Arkansas's aggressiveness, I just worry about the fouling. Uh, they had 23 fouls today. Um, obviously, at Louisville, with their struggles with shooting, they're sh shooting like 28% in the first half from the field, something ridiculous. When they're, Arkansas is going to be matched up against, obviously, a better team in Creighton. Um, you, you're not send, sending Creighton to the free throw line uh, 25 times. It's not a recipe for for winning. Um, and, if they're, and they're playing seven ball. right now. They played seven tonight, really. Mm -hmm. So if they get in foul trouble, you know, now right. some of those guys that haven't been – and I've been in this spot as an assistant coach. Like, I remember being with Coach Beeline, and, you you know, you're wanting to win some of these early games. You're going to play guys you trust. And I was, try, always, I was trying to push him to play some of our younger guys for the long haul. Like, hey, they just – like just throw them in there and give them, you know, give them some minutes. Just throw them in there, so that when February comes around, it's you know, you know, they've had some, they've they've kind of had some experience, whether they do well or not. But uh, he wouldn't do it, <laughs> you know. You got your guys you trust and you're trying to win, man. You're not, you know. Sometimes you don't mess around with that. <laughs> and co like you coached in this tournament um, when you were at Michigan as an assistant for Beeline. This is 
like this gym, everyone talks about how soft the rims are, but from a coaching perspective, I mean, this is really kind of the first time from a national scale, people are seeing your team. This, like, How big is this tournament from a coaching perspective regarding what you're trying to put out product wise with your team? Well, you just know the, the level of, you know, the level of all the programs that are there. Uh, and like when we were there, this was back 2011, it was us. We played uh, Memphis in the first round and Joe Jackson and, and uh Joe Jackson. Know, yeah, they, they were they were loaded, uh Witherspoon and those guys. And we played Duke at Austin Rivers and um, you know, they were good. And so you just know the level of competition is gonna be up. All the players know there's gonna be a scout from every NBA team sitting in, in it, and it's a cracker box and you know, and they've been watching it on TV all their lives. So so there it's the stage, you know, for all these young players. Uh, to be able to get on it, and, and and you get to test yourself early. You, look, and if you can come out of there with two wins, obviously winning the whole thing, but somebody's gonna go zero and three. Right. And if, if you can get out of there with two wins, uh, you know, obviously given that you don't win at all, like you know, you got two pretty good wins against good opponents, and you've learned a lot about your team in the process. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Uh, someone who's learning a lot about his team right now is Kenny Payne in Louisville, um, transitioning from Arkansas to Louisville. We were talking about this before we started. To me, Louisville looks like a team that's completely disconnected. I said they look like an AAU team who's playing on Sunday, the last day of an AAU tournament, the 8 a.m. slot. Just everyone's trying to get home. There's zero chemistry whatsoever. I know L. Ellis is playing a little bit out of position right now. He's playing point guard. He's normally a two guard. What needs to happen for this Louisville team to just get a win simply, Patrick? Uh, Well, you the, the big circle is going to be turnovers. And speaking of L. Ellis, yeah, he had seven of their 22 turnovers. Uh, I went back and read uh, a little bit of the post game of what the Louisville players and coaches were saying. Obviously, they're rebuilding. I think absolutely think Kenny Payne is the right man for the job. Um, he's got the pedigree. He's a fantastic man. Uh, he's a he's a man builder, man maker, I would say. Uh, some things just take time. But also with that time uh, is trust. Trusting your teammates, trusting um, that, you know, you you can re- rely on the guy next to you to do his job and that you do your job uh, to get a win is going to take an unbelievable amount of energy. But let's let's forget about the ball going into the basket. Uh, I saw that Louisville just couldn't match up with Arkansas's energy, uh, couldn't keep up with the pace, um, worrying about this and that, this mistake, not kick, taking care of the ball, confidence, 
once you start lacking confidence, that's when the ball starts getting turned over even more. Uh, so if they can just play free, I mean, what do you have to lose at this point? You already you already own four. Hey, let's just go out and bring unbelievable energy to whoever we play next. Uh, let's let's play a complete game. Let's treat this ball like it's the most valuable thing that is in our existence, and let the results play play out for themselves. Because I think that is the recipe for them to win games, and it start it starts in the locker room. Yeah, I believe. Uh, yeah, I agree with you. Kenny's the right guy for the job, right? It's is not starting as everybody you know would would wish for, but from here, you know, I think they they don't have a true point guard, right? Which is when you look up now, I don't care what level of basketball you're playing, that gives you comfort as a coach when you know, yeah, <laughs> you absolutely. somebody you can trust, right, Patrick? Like if you're playing with a good point guard. Yeah, how how much better do you feel as as oh as man, it changed my life when I when I went overseas my first year. Carlos Arroyo was my point guard. It changed my entire perspective of of being a big man in basketball because he was trying to get me to rock every time. Man, yeah. and, and the coach, you know, there's the the relationship from from the point guard to the coach and and, and all that. So that that's a challenge. So so they may have to adjust and play different than Kenny Mack want to play. Is I think what he'll probably come out of you know these first this first part of the season saying all right maybe we can't have an eighty possession game like we did last night because because we because we're turning it over twenty two times in eighty possessions nobody's winning that game right, right. So we may have to cut down our possessions play a little slower and and you you worry about that people will talk about that in the recruiting process it's not about that for them it's let's figure out a way to to be our best version of ourselves with the group we have right here. And we'll go get we'll go recruit for the future later. But but can we can we find something find a formula for this team? To your point, four assists on sixteen made buckets for Louisville. That's it's hard when you don't have a point guard, someone that you can just trust with the ball. I mean, a point guard is an extension of your head coach essentially out there. So you got to have somebody who understands your system, all the things. And credit LLS for what he's trying to do right now. But he's he's kind of um, in a tough spot right now. Moving on to the next game in the uh, Maui Invitational, Ohio State, San Diego State just won final. San Diego State wins by 11 points, 88-77, as I try to do math in my head real <laughs> quick. Um, San Diego State really just controlled from the tip. Zed Key from Ohio State got in foul trouble early, had to go to the bench, and San Diego State kind of um, just went on a run from there. Coach, what did you take away from what you've watched at this game? Well, San Diego State is expected to be good. Brian Dutch has been doing a phenomenal job taking over for, for Fish. I've known Dutch for a while, uh, going back to his days at Michigan back in the day. And defensively, they, they've they been solid the last few years. Uh, they've got some offense this year. Uh, they put a, I mean, Chris Holtman's going to have – they're always solid defensively. They don't have as much firepower at Ohio State as they've had since Holt's been there. Uh, but for them to put up 88 points on Ohio State is impressive. Yeah. And, and only turned the basketball over seven times. And so I thought um, just seeing, watching the game a little bit and seeing them flow offensively and play with the freedom that they played with. Um, I think Matt Bradley's he's a heck of a basketball player uh, for them. And so I liked uh, knowing that Dutch is going to bring defense to the table. That's the standard of San Diego, at San Diego State, but they've got some offense to go along with it now. So they're going to be a tough match. Yeah, I, I really like the flow uh, of the, this game for San Diego State. 
Uh, defensively, at times, um, they allowed Ohio State to get back in the game, and that's hats off to Ohio State not giving up. Bryce Sensabaugh, he's going to be sensational, mm-hmm. really able to get to his shot and and help his team. Uh, uh, when there's when it's hard to, to find a bucket, uh, this freshman showing already that hey, put the ball in my hands, uh, I'll find a way to, to to score the ball. But uh, just so impressed that San Diego State just you blink your eyes, they be up by seven, then all of a sudden they're up by fifteen or sixteen. The ball was moving around. Uh, it was unselfish basketball. Um, just saw this stat on, on on the television. Matt Bradley, 18 points, 55% from the field. Lamont Butler, 15 points, 50% from the three from the field. Micah Parrish, 15 points, 75%. And then Adam Seiko off the bench, 14 points, 83% uh, from the field. So shooting that well obviously isn't always going to be uh, something that they can hang their hat on. But when you can do it in spurts like that and, and maintain defensively, uh, this San Diego State, first time I, I got a chance to watch them, I was re- thoroughly impressed with with the energy and how well they shoot the ball so freely. 41 bench points for San Diego State as well. Coach, you got to love hearing that type of stat. How crucial is it, especially early on in the season, that you can go to your bench and get that kind of production? Yeah, I was going to say, especially now, like you said, you know, early season injuries, foul trouble. So, so when you can go to the bench and get – that's a that's an elite level of production off the bench if you're getting 40. Uh, but if you, if you can go to your bench, um, and, and some coach like I just like I was just saying, some guys aren't playing their benches. Uh, but if you're comfortable and confident to play your bench at this point in the season, and they give you right, 40 points, that you know that's phenomenal. And I, I think teams are learning. You know, this is what these opportunities early, these MTEs, they're, they're high level. They allow you to see, hey, who can do it in a game against Ohio State. Uh, can we get that type of production? Because because maybe back in the home games, you know, that were uh, you were expected to win, but now you're matching up against you know a formidable opponent that's right there on the same level, and and for those guys to step up, that's big. Patrick, what do you think the ceiling is for the San Diego State team after seeing them today? Hmm. If they can step up a little bit on the on the defensive side. Because uh, I, I was thoroughly impressed with with the balance of their offense, especially their bench. I I could see them making a run, um, definitely making it to a conference championship game. Uh, with with Matt Bradley was he was efficient, efficient killer out there. Just I don't know how he ended up fouling out. The next uh, the next guy had uh, with the most fouls, I only had two. He ended up with five. Uh, you know, he's too important of a player to end up fouling out and, and that can't, hopefully isn't a repetitive problem for him in the future. But I, I don't think they're better good enough to beat a, a Creighton team right now. So I can see them making it to the sweet 16. What about you coach? You know, I, th- I think Jaden Ledee is there. Okay. He's kind of that guy, right. This year. And, and he's shooting six free throws a game, you know, just on those nights where you struggle. And you know, I always look at, can you create a matchup somewhere for, for teams? And if they have that, you know, they've, they've got somebody they can go to on those nights when they struggle with, with Jaden. And then you get what you got from Matt Bradley tonight. So now you get they've, they've gotten some balance. You got Darian Trammell. You know, I think they, they've got enough. Um, you know, you get to the tournament, it becomes about matchups. So it's hard to say how far they can go, you know. But I just think they're a solid team. they got enough guard play. Um you know, they've got enough shooting and they've got a matchup guy with J.D. and Ledee. So, you know, when they get in the conference play, it'll be, it'll be a tough out. They're good enough. They're a tournament team. I believe that for sure.
and then you know what what the matchups uh what the matchups will dictate but they've got enough to get you to a second weekend uh, to quickly get a comment on Ohio State uh showed spurts where they were able to score in, in bunches Sean McNeil especially you know shooter the transfer uh from West Virginia how how key is it to be able to have someone that can you can rely on to hit shots like that? Because not all these teams we're finding out have a reliable three point shooter, Patrick. Oh, I mean, shooting is uh, is, is a, a huge piece of being able to win games, uh, especially when uh, it's hard to find a basket. You have a guy that's shooting the ball with confidence, uh, space spacing the floor, getting the ball to touch the paint. As well, I mean, Ohio State did do a fairly decent job getting into the paint with 26 points uh, uh, down there trying to bang. Um, but having having a guy that you know, one or two that you can get the ball out to um, to knock down some shots is going to open it up. But you know, if he, that gets taken away, who else is going to step up? Uh, uh, you see, since the ball was able, Bryce was able to knock down two. Uh, we see Bruce Thor, and he was able to knock down two three points as well. Uh, so yeah, this Ohio State team—they they were they were close, uh, just couldn't stop those spurts from San Diego State. They they uh, San Diego State knocked down three more three pointers than Ohio State and got to the free throw line a little bit more, and that's the game right there. But uh, you know, hang your hat—I I would tell Ohio State to hang their hat high. I think this team does have potential to make some noise and, and you know have a few upsets uh, upsets here and there uh, during the season. Yeah, I, I so I went to you know I know Chris really well. Went to went to their practice. Went to a couple practices in the fall, and Ohio State was one of them. And, and I walked away saying, you know, they're they're physical. Right? They got physical perimeter players. Um, they got, you know, Zay Key on the inside. They got Isaac Likely, you know, the guard Justin Suing. They got some size, some versatility. They don't have a guard with any with some wiggle, mm. and to make life easier for those other guys, right? So Bri Bryce Sensible is the one guy. He's the matchup. And he can go get his own basket, and, and and so you know, as you're, who who can make the game easier for others, Patrick? As you as you you know, like when you're playing with Carlos Arroyo, game comes easy. All you gotta do is catch and finish it, or just be ready and knock it down. Who can make the game easier for others, and who? And do we have a physical matchup somewhere on the court? Well, they've got one with Zed Key. Um, they've got one with Sensible, depending on who they're playing. But then I went to Purdue, and I went to Michigan, Michigan State. And when I, I kind of left that a little bit, I seen it saw an annoying person. It was a little bit of the same question, except for Michigan State. Like they had two guys in Hoggard and Tyson Walker that can make the game easy for others. Like they got guards. So, you know, the concern for Ohio State, even for Michigan, you know you can play through Hunter Dickinson. You know you can play through Zach Key and get inside out threes. But now – you know, who else can create Zach? Like he gets in foul trouble tonight. Now, how are we going to get open shots? Like, how are we going to manufacture easy baskets? Guards with a little wiggle. I like that. Gotta have it. Gotta have it. I was not one of those guards with a little wiggle. <laughs> I was like, I, I was in the corner waiting for my point guard to kick it. <laughs> hey, I like it. We like paint touches. That's for sure. Uh, next game up Cincinnati, Arizona. Going to be a fun one. What is one? thing you are looking for in this game Patrick uh seeing seeing how Arizona um last year had, was one of the top teams in the country uh for the majority of the season um are they able to repeat that what is their strength what is their identity 
Uh, it's so early in the season to, to really understand what a team's identity is truly going to look like. Obviously, the makeup is going to be different, but I believe they're going to be able uh, – biggest thing I want to want to look at uh, for this matchup uh, after the, the themes of tonight, the turnovers, taking care of the ball. It's, it's always the same recipe. It's, it's taking care of the ball, it's rebounding, and it's getting good looks. Uh, and and good looks start with paint touches, getting the ball inside out. Um, who's going to knock down shots? It's not about knocking down shots, but being able to limit teams to – you know, I look back at the Kentucky-Gonzaga game a few nights ago. Uh, Kentucky was one and done on a, many of their shots last uh, that game. Gonzaga did not allow Oscar for the most part uh, when he wasn't on the court because we know he just – uh, is a magnetic when it comes to rebounds, but that was a formula for keeping Kentucky out of the game, not allowing them to have second chance opportunities. So uh, in a situation like this early on in the season, you want to see, and that's the toughness thing, being in your position, doing your job, uh, boxing out, going up and just wanting the ball because when they don't have the ball, the opposing team, they can't score. Uh, so that's what I want to see uh, that toughness level from Arizona tonight. Yeah. I'll be curious to see, you know, it's a little bit of a, contrasting styles right arizona's got the elite big guys and they're scoring like 100 points a game uh which is you know in, insane yeah right now but but how will how will cincinnati match with uh and I'm, i know i'm gonna mess his name up Tabulas and and big ballo you know those two big guys are are dominant right now um and then cincinnati's got david julius i know i know little day from the recruiting circuit he started off at michigan transferred to cincinnati and he's playing at a high level. He he's he's one of those guards that makes decisions and he's getting three assists, he's getting 18 points. So can those bigs can can Cincinnati handle the bigs on one end? And can the bigs handle David Julius in the pick and roll on the other end? You know, will they be able to contain him in the ball screen? Going to be fun to watch. And when we're done with this, we'll be able to watch it because we love when games are on so late. Is Hawaii even in the Pacific time zone? Like what time zone is it? I need to Look on my Apple um, World Clock app. But here's my one um, critique, if you will. I really hope that Chris Holtman finds a Hawaiian shirt, Ohio State polo to wear, <laughs> because he's the only coach that really hasn't leaned into the narrative of we're at the Maui gym, Maui Invitational. Let's be with it. Come, Come on, on now. Man. Yeah, Holt's a little serious. He's a little serious. I, I should. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, coach, get your guy. Get, Come on. Get him to loosen up a little bit. <laughs> well, I tell you who was not loose when it comes to what they were wearing on the sidelines tonight. Richmond had coach Chris Mooney. They played in the Empire Classic against Syracuse. It was actually a fantastic game down the stretch. And interesting from the standpoint, as we know, Syracuse is known for their zone defense of Jim a with Jim Beheim. Uh Richmond plays the Princeton offense and weren't really able to do that tonight because of the zone um against zone. I mean, but hey, Patrick, okay, did you love or hate playing against a zone when you were playing at Florida? Um, gosh, striving to remember. I remember we I remember putting the zone on against people. Uh I like the zone. You have a good middle flasher and a big man that can seal. You can get a team out of that zone real quick. Uh and then the the weakness of a zone, as we know, is rebounding. It's a lot harder to match up um, from that aspect. But if the balls, the ball, you know, the zone, especially if you're looking at, at a one, three, one or a two, three, uh, they're trying to get you to just let that ball bounce around the wing, take, take long threes, just settle with that. Um, 
And obviously, being a big guy that didn't shoot threes, I would get frustrated if that's what we started relying on. But I also understood the dynamic of putting on a good zone with length um, and how effective that can be for a team when it's communicated really well. Uh, so I, I can see both sides of it, especially coming out of a timeout, uh, especially if it's something that a team has struggled with in the past. But we know Syracuse is known for that. Uh, the teams that do the best job of beating uh, Syracuse in this their, their zone is the teams that can take care of the ball. Richmond had 18 turnovers. Syracuse scored 27 points off of those turnovers. You got to have a middle flash guy that can pass it, that can feel comfortable, maybe knocking down that mid range, maybe a big that can preoccupy uh, down in the paint and seal, knock down a few a few easy ones. Uh, we lost to Syracuse the one time we played them uh, during my time. Uh, but we should have won. Uh, we should have <laughs> won. Yeah. Oh, we should have won. Should have beat Michigan in the in the Elite Eight too. But they kicked our butts. Like, oh my gosh, they beat us so bad. <laughs> What's up there? Um, played them twice. Uh, we played them twice at Michigan. Close both times. Once with Scoop. We played against Scoop. Who's a shout out to Scoop? Who's a uh, yeah, field of sixty eight. Uh, and I've been on with, with him a couple times. Scoop Scoop beat us. And uh, we played them in the final four. And when they had Michael Carter, uh, oh, yeah. Williams and, and uh, that good Brandon Trish. And um, we had a good high. We had Mitch McGarry to Patrick's point. who We could get it to in the high post and, and he could face up. And, oh, man, and he, he was a gazelle. Yeah, he could run. He could pass. He could, I mean, he could and run. He on the glass. And um, But when you're like Princeton, like you said, Megan, or Richmond running Princeton offense, like, how much do you think they practiced against zone in the preseason? Yeah. No. Right. How much? Exactly. You got to get – that takes timing. That takes commitment. You got to work it. You know, you got new guys coming in learning it. And I'm sure they had some zone days. Right? You plan those in as a coach. But, but then the Syracuse zone is different. They're hiding wide on the wings, and it's hard to make a, a, a swing, swing to the corner. They really jump that lane. So you end, you end up with 18 turnovers. And – um in a game that's, you know, one or two possessions. And they did get them back on the glass. They had 20 offensive rebounds. But I just think when you see that, Sarah actually played them three times. That, that thing is so different than what you – you can't simulate it in practice. And, and when you're playing – if you play a good Princeton offensive team, like you can – you're going to prepare for it. But the speed at which they cut, you can't simulate that in practice. Like we, we play Bill Carmody's teams at Northwestern. Mm -hmm. Is it – I mean, you could practice it, but the way they run it, you can't duplicate. You can practice it against zone, but the way Syracuse does it, it's hard to simulate, you know. Um, and so it throws your rhythm off, and you end up – and you don't get to the foul line. So the other way to stay in a game, right, obviously take care of the basketball, but to get to the foul line, well, you end up shooting jump shots. <laughs> and, and so it's hard to get to the foul line. Uh, to your point, by the way, about the offensive rebounds, 20 offensive rebounds for Richmond. Five of them came in the last 10 seconds in overtime when yeah. Richmond was trying to get a shot up, and they kept having opportunities to, but just could not capitalize at the oh. end. I, I mean, I was watching and, like, pulling my hair out. I was like, they're getting great looks, but they, they got every single all aboard. They did. They had a couple good looks. And they tried the high ball screen. Mm -hmm. You know, they tried to go with, you know, setting the ball screen to try to create an advantage. And which it does, but then playing out of it. It's like making the pass out of it with the length of the hands. You gotta touch, I feel like you gotta touch the paint a little bit if yeah. you're if you're playing that high ball screen. It's gotta touch the paint. You gotta make somebody overcommit and then get that ball, whoever's open, 
if that's the open look and as you get it, you got to take that shot. You knock them down. But, you know, Syracuse ain't going – they're not coming out of their zone. You know, they're not a team that's going to be in the zone. You you make a few shots on them, they're going to come out of it. That's not going to happen. I love Bayheim for that. I love it. I'm, yeah, I mean, it's it's great. And it, it's been successful. He's got uh-huh. more than 1,000 wins. Come on now. And Joe Girard goes for 30. It's like, my goodness. Like, hey, if we got one thing on the scouting report wrong, we can't let go – can't let Joe Girard get 30 on us. <laughs> like, like anybody else. Anybody else. <laughs> he had like 21 in the first half, I believe. It was something insane like that. But, Coach, Joe Girard, he had 21 points in the first half. When you have a player like that who's just going off, I got really frustrated watching him in the second half because I thought he took some bad shots. But when someone has the hot hand, do you let that go? Or do you say, hey, like you got to be smarter? It, it's a uh, – he's got the neon ultimate green light and ultimate freedom. Neon. And, and so that's hard. It's hard to guard. Like, Patrick, you, you've been – like, it's hard to – when a guy has Jimmer Fredette or yeah. Steph Curry. Or, like, when J.J. Redick. Like, when you have – when you're playing against a guy, it does – like, he's got no rules on him when you're the defense and he can shoot anywhere, anytime, and his coach is okay with that. Like, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's scary because it's like they don't mind him taking bad shots. And so his confidence is is through the roof. Um, you wish you probably would have not taken a few of those down the stretch. I thought I thought a couple of them were questionable as well. Uh, but that's just how Coach lets him, allows him to play. And, you know, if that's the best version of them, for them to get the best Syracuse team on the court, you always, you always ask the question, who's that other coach? Who's that other coach deathly afraid of down there on the other bench? It's like – well, you're probably definitely afraid of Joe Girard going for 30, 35, 40. You're like, he's got more than 30 innings. <laughs> and uh, and Judah Mintz is a really good sidekick for a freshman. So I know he was committed to Pitt, going to play with Jeff Capel, now ended up at Syracuse. Uh, and he's a heck of a sidekick, putting up points as a young player. Mm, there you go. Patrick, I mean, Mintz looked not like a freshman tonight for yeah. most of this game. What did you take away from his play? Uh confidence just just someone that has that uh they knows who he is and isn't afraid to make mistakes as well um because there's there's something that can happen easily with as a freshman you come into a new program as historic and legendary playing for a hall of fame coach it's a big stage um and it seems as though that mint is ready uh to step up uh having uh uh, gerard as a, a teammate that is showing him the blueprint for how to just go out there and get yours and make it happen. Uh, it's really awesome to see that from a freshman. and can't wait to see uh, him have like one of those breakout games where he ends up with 30. The thing is he's had like, so we had Chuck Harris at Butler who was from Gonzaga mm-hmm. and Chuck's a little older than Judah. But so I saw Judah when he was younger, he ne- never lacked for confidence, even as a freshman in high school, you know, it was like he, he believed he was that guy. And so uh, you see him play now. It's like he's older, he's more mature, his body's changed, but same attitude. <laughs> he's going to be fun to watch this year in the ACC for Syracuse. Um, Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
So more Feast Week game or tournaments rather coming up this week, the PK Invitational. You got North Carolina, Michigan State, Alabama, Yukon, Iowa State, Oregon, Villanova, Portland. I'm excited because North Carolina actually has to play somebody who is in a top, um, at least in the top 100 of Kempom, even though they draw uh, Portland first or they're playing Portland first. And I believe Portland was a 130 in Kempom somewhere around there. 135. Don't ask me. It was 135. So okay. I'm look I, I'm looking forward to seeing North Carolina play. How are they going to play against real competition? Are they truly the AP number one team in the country? What are you two most looking forward to seeing in this tournament? Don't, don't sleep on Portland. Shante Liggins had it going at Eastern Washington. He's doing a heck of a job at Portland. So this isn't like a it's not a gimme. Coach sure. <laughs> Coach has been doing a good job out there. I mean, I think we can all uh, say that Michigan State is a team that is uh, was underrated coming into this season. Uh, I'm I'm really excited for that matchup on Thursday against Alabama. Brandon Miller is a stud. He is an NBA player right now, um, and I, I didn't know how he was going to fit into the Alabama system because he's a two. He's a guy that shoots a lot of twos ISO when it's a three and D Nate Oates type offense, but. How Michigan State was able to, to beat Kentucky, uh, stay within that game. Um, Tom Izzo's brilliance. Uh, really excited to see how how that matchup is going to be in the quarterfinal. But when it comes to North Carolina, I think uh, teams typically show up sometimes a little bit more when it's better, great competition. I think uh, North Carolina is finally starting to find their groove. You, you hate that because uh, Coach Donovan would always say it's a nameless, faceless opponent on the other side. And you need to come and just, just do what we do. Um, so North Carolina, it's a lot of expectations on them. I'm sure they have even more pressure on themselves since they were so close, obviously, in the championship game. Um, it's still so early. It's still so early, but we would like to see them continue to trend in the right direction. I think we'll find out a lot about North Carolina defensively, don't you? I mean, they can score. We know Love and, and RJ Davis and, and, the you know, they got big Mondo inside, but – defensively, yep. you know, where are they? Because they're going to get challenged. Um, so I'll be curious to see to see that. And I agree. Brandon Miller's hitting almost four threes a game, Patrick. And I watched him on the circuit with the – He got a pretty shot. It wasn't like he was shooting threes like that. Then he's, and then he's getting to the foul line yep. five times a game, which four is a, a good number. Right? Four is a good, great for He's knocking down four a game right now? He's hitting almost four threes a game. And wow. the foul line five times, you know, so he's a matchup. So so that Michigan State-Bama, again, I'm a believe, you know, like I said, I went and watched State, and I knew they were better than what they would get more out of. I just thought they had multiple ways to create offense. And then Izzo, throw Izzo in the mix, and he's going to run his sets and, and find guys, for, you know, with matchups or hot hands. Um, so that will be a heck of a matchup. I think Connecticut, uh, you know, I'm excited to see – you know, Connecticut and what they do in this in this tournament um, coming out of the Big East, just with I think Jordan Hawkins is back now. So he's he's healthy. I don't know if they have Andre Jackson back yet, um, but with Big Sonogo in the middle and, and matching up against Oregon, who I thought was impressive against uh, who they play the other. I just watched Oregon. It was a big game. Houston. Houston. Um, and I thought they showed well. So that'll be a heck of a matchup. Is there a team in particular that hasn't necessarily played well yet, but you think is incredibly underrated in this tournament, Coach? 
Um, I, I, I don't, you know, I, I would say Nova, but it's still minus a point guard. Uh, I think Michigan State has played well. Um, I think Oregon's capable of more just putting my eyes on them for the first time this season uh, against Houston. So I think they've got better in them. So that'll be, I think that'll be a, um, a tremendous matchup with, with Connecticut. So if I was picking a team that has a little more in them right now, I'd say Oregon. Uh, I, I, my curiosity's peaked with with UConn, just just to see them against this level of competition for the first time this season. What about you, Patrick? Yeah, I think I have to follow suit um, with either Oregon or uh, – I mean, Alabama is undefeated right now. Uh, I haven't seen too much of, of Villanova. Um, but I do like, I do like Oregon. I was able to get some snippets of that Houston game. They show, I mean, against a team that some people have as favorites to win it all, uh, they showed a lot of grit and they're actually, um, projected to, it's projected to be a close game with this UConn Oregon game, uh, up on Thursday. So, um, uh, you know, if they, you know, anything is possible. That's why I love basketball because anything can happen on the right night. Uh, be a little juice to that Bama. You know, Nate Oates was in at, at Romulus High School in Michigan for years, uh, a couple of years there, winning state championships. So he 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 and Izzo go back to some recruiting days when Nate oh, was really? a high school coach and Iz was recruiting his players. And it'll be, it'll be a uh, we'll see how tough Alabama is because you know Michigan State is going to be going to be gritty, not pretty. <laughs> Well, Michigan State's battle-tested headed into this game. I mean, they have truly had one of the toughest non-conference schedules in the country uh, amongst any of these teams. So that's going to be a very fun matchup to watch. Should have won them all. You know, they had Gonzaga beat. You know, mm -hmm. Didn't get it done, but, you know, got Villanova and got Kentucky. Yeah. Uh, PK Legacy, we have Gonzaga, Duke, Purdue, Xavier, West Virginia, Florida, fighting Patrick's Oregon state, Portland state. Uh, everyone's talking about, you know, who, who's the biggest team in this tournament? Is it Gonzaga or is it Duke? Go ahead, coach. Who's got the best point. Who's got the better point guard. Well, who's got the best wiggle. Uh, who's got the best wiggle. Who's got the better point guard on, on the Jeremy, you know, Jeremy Roach, just I've seen you watching Duke Proctor's tremendous. Uh, I, I love his game. Um, yeah, I think Jeremy Roach, you know, can Gonzaga, sh do they shoot it well enough? Everything is going to flow through Timmy. Um, but last two, two minutes of the game, you know, your guards, the ball's going to be in your guard hands. And so, you know, uh, I don't seeing, know. Yeah. You know, hey, Timmy, watching, watching Timmy, uh, yet yeah, was it yet yeah, two days ago, he was running point. I mean, he's bringing the ball up yeah. the court. Getting him in the offense, he looked like Draymond Green out there. Yeah. So uh, that was different to see them playing through him in that way, out from outside in instead of inside out. Um, so, but you know they they've got some they got to get there. Uh, you know I think going through Xavier, Purdue, West Virginia is going to be a bloodbath. I mean Huggins, Painter, are you kidding me? That's going to be <laughs> so who, last man standing on that one. That'll be a twelve round bout. Um, so I don't know with the Gonzaga Duke thing. It just it comes down to guard play, in my opinion. Oh man, after after seeing how Gonzaga just showed up, it was pretty much a home game. But I like just momentum. Um, Julian Strother, Tim, Drew Timmy, and and Rasier Bolton. Man, they came to play. They came to play against Kentucky. Um, 
didn't take care of the ball as well as I would like, but I'm really high on them right now. Uh, just the the maturity it seems that this team has right now, uh, especially with some guys that have been um, uh, one that have won that have won championship that West Coast Conference as well as uh, making it far in the tournament. Uh, I think I think I'm going to say that they're my favorites to to come away with this uh, as of now. I haven't seen enough of Duke. Uh, I can't wait to see. I follow watching uh, Derek Whitehead when he's at full strength. Ask me then, because that boy can go. He is a stud, man. He's a winner. Uh, no, he's he, he's gotten back for Duke, but when he finds his rhythm uh, back back out there for for the Blue Devils, watch out, everybody. Uh, he is a go getter. The thing with both things, like Gonzaga's turning the basketball over. I just looked this up seventeen times a game. You know, I think that's an you know that's an issue as you get to the higher level team and they and they don't shoot it like great. Rasir Bolton's a big time shooter, but after that, who are you worried about? Just drilling you, you know, who can go for four or five threes um, that night? Duke's kind of got the same deal going on. Like who who's your guys that are going to spread it out? Jeremy Roach is going to be in the paint, but uh, Flapowski, I like him. He's a matchup problem. He's good. Uh, he's really good, you know, but into the, ultimately, can you take care of the ball and can you make enough shots? I mean, it's it's not – it's simple, but it's complicated <laughs> because some rosters are, are, are built that way. And, and the Gonzaga teams that we've come in recent memory have had, you know, Kisper and those guys, like elite-level shooters. Right. What team in this tournament outside of the Dukes and the Gonzagas do you think could potentially win this tournament? Yeah, it's a, it's a, you know, like you're going to play West Virginia. You, if you turn the ball over 17 times a game, you play in West Virginia, they're salivating. Like that's what they're going to press the whole game. Yeah. And so if they match up with Gonzaga and, and, and Gonzaga's flipping the ball around, like they can run through this whole tournament because if you don't have a real – like, I, they're playing Purdue. Purdue starts a freshman point guard in Braden Smith. Mm-hmm. We'll see how tough he is because he's going to match up with, with Huggins in the press for 40 minutes and if he can handle it. Because Zach Eady is a non-factor if you can't get the ball across half court, right? <laughs> and so, uh, and now if he can't, then you can get the ball to Eady and Purdue's a problem because now you got to guard one of the most efficient offenses in the past five years in the country and Paint's going to find a way to get to the big guy. You know, I, I think I think Xavier, if I was saying, hey, the sleeper team to win it, I think they, they got the two bigs inside, Fremantle and Nunji. Um, you know, Kobe Jones is, is getting healthier. He had a turned ankle last year or last week. Uh, he's coming back off of that. And I think they've got Kunkel and Kiki Tandy and enough firepower offensively um, to, to surprise and, and, and pull it off. I'll make my argument for my, my alma mater and make it quick. Colin <laughs> Castleton. He has been playing at another level this year. He's a man on a mission. Uh, Florida has a veteran point guard in Kyle Lofton. Haven't seen him take off yet. But the Florida team I saw in the second half against Florida State, first half, I don't know who that was out on the court. It wasn't the Gators. Uh, But the second half against Florida State looked like a team that uh, figured out their identity. Um, If they bring that same momentum, uh, they have a chance to beat Xavier. And, you know, we'll see. Not a great shooting team. But defensively, with the length and size, uh, a chance to make a run. 
last MT, we're going to talk about Battle for Atlantis. You got Kansas, Tennessee, Dayton, Wisconsin, USC, Butler, NC State, BYU. Uh, is Kansas the favorite in this tournament? Oof. I'm going to let Patrick go with that one first. I got to think yeah. on that one. Oof. <laughs> I just haven't seen enough from Tennessee yet uh, to say that they're the same level of, of defense and offense that they were uh, last year. I think not having Kennedy Chandler. Kennedy Chandler helped Zakai Ziegler uh, really affect games. And um, I'm not sure if this is the Tennessee team that wants to shoot 43s a game. Um, like they did uh, a few times uh, already within this season. But I do like, oh, man, I, I love the look of Kansas. I love Grady Dick. I love mm -hmm. uh, Jalen Wilson. He seems to have really figured out his game. Um, can't, but, you know, awesome. the question always, what, what Kansas is going to show up? Because uh, it was a tight game against Southern Utah uh, a few days ago. Uh, which, 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 yeah, which Kansas is going to show up? Are we going to get the same level of play as, as uh, being in Allen Fieldhouse? As of now, they, they, they're going to be my favorites. I think um, uh, being a team that just got it done before last year, they don't have all the exact pieces, but I like Pettiford. He's awesome. Um, he takes care of the ball. He he facilitates, comes off the bench. Ron Harris. Off is going. Um, Ron Harris is the, we'll see. Good. Yeah. I, favorite probably on the way in, Megan. I think, um, you know, I – Anthony Grant's a heck of a coach at Dayton, and they got a good team. They got a really good team. I've watched those guys practice. They still don't have their point guard back, and I don't know if he'll be back for this tournament. Um, and they're playing Wisconsin, which would be a, t a tough match. Um, so if I and and Coach Keats, Kansas will have Kevin Keats is, is he's got North Carolina State, you know, playing at a high level here early. Tennessee, I don't know. They do they have you know they're small. Are they smaller this year, Patrick? Just size like they struggled when they got beat. You know, they lost to Colorado and uh the kid Simpson went crazy on them, but they struggled from two. And I think, you know, just looking at the the box score and, and seeing some clips of the game, it's like, all right, can they can they defend the interior and can they finish inside against the link with the with the roster? They're and a little small, they're a little small with Zakai Ziegler at starting point guard and Santiago Bescovy. Uh, but then they got JoJo James, Olivier Kamwa, and uh, Plavchich, uh, some decent size. Um, but to 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 get back to the level of defense that they were last year, it's going. It takes work. It takes understanding. It doesn't matter what you did last year. Like you have this team has to be bought into and trust each other to be that same level. And I haven't seen it yet. Well. We're going to get to see lots of great games moving forward with the rest of the week. I just want to know if all these teams are going to go in Atlantis and do the slide that goes through the Sharks, because I feel like that's a rite of passage if you're going to go to this tournament at the Battle for Atlantis. All right, gentlemen, if you guys want to purchase any of our Field of 68 merch, don't forget to check it out, fieldof68.shop. Thank you for joining us, Patrick Young, Coach Laval Jordan. I'm Megan McEwen. We will see you next time.